All right, Justin. A, B, C, D, or E. Let's go with D. D's random trivia. Okay. I was not prepared for that. At all. <laughs> um, what is C? Wasn't C just some trivia? Movie or trivia. Like, I don't know if trivia? I've got any fucking trivia. Holy you have shit. Any movie trivia? <laughs> no, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to swing it. Um, oh, fuck. I don't know if I've got shit. I feel like I do. I feel like it's on the tip of my tongue. Like there's something I can bullshit my way through. And it's it's just, it's stuck there. Man, shit. I know there's something though. It's there. It's on the tip of my tongue. And I'm just going to stare at anybody watching us on YouTube right now. While I try to think of it and say some words. I'm going to stare at you very creepily like this. Uh, you need to add a letter for just any trivia, so that way you can well, te- open it up te- and talk about anything. Well, that's what C is technically. Wait, C is movie trivia and D is random trivia. So D is kind of the end all be all or like randomness anything. And I, I don't know why I just got stuck. Like, I could go sports. I don't know if I necessarily want to go sports though, and just kind of like bore Heather. It's okay. I learn when you talk about sports. So, why is everything failing me at the moment? Oh God, I feel fucking terrible. This is our second full fucking video thing on YouTube, and I've got nothing. I am literally just fucking rambling for this intro at this point. I mean. I've got, I guess I've got some trivia about the, the well, see, the, the, the trivia I do have is about the movie we're going to talk about today. So I'm like, do I want to like blow it here or do I want to like save it for later? Oh man. Do you guys have anything like any random trivia then? Do you guys have anything? I'm trying to think random trivia. Um, hmm. I don't. Man, I don't have anything either. Not not trivia wise, just like sports news and little things like that. Like I'm sure you heard about Marion Barber, um the football player. Yeah. Oh, I do have one thing that's somewhat random that people might not know about. It's somewhat sports related, but somewhat not. Um I don't know if anybody really out there knows this, that uh, there's a lot of speculation that Lou Gehrig didn't die of Lou Gehrig's disease. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, that doesn't know Lou Gehrig's is a, uh, ALS is the whole point of the ice bucket challenge and shit. And uh, apparently they actually think he might have the biggest contributing factor to his death actually might have been CTE. From concussions and stuff. Wow. And not actually. Yeah, I would not have known that. Yeah. 
So there's that. That see, that is an interesting and random fact. You you got there. Yeah. There you go. You got it. Uh, Lou Gehrig might not have died of Lou Gehrig's disease. How weird would that be, though? I know, medically speaking, it's not really Lou Gehrig's disease. It's ALS. But, like, it's just so commonly known as ALS or as Lou Gehrig's disease that that is a little bit weird. Um. I guess another little trivia fact, since I was so fucking quick. Uh, apparently, Millie Bobby Brown on a, on a tour talking about the new season of Stranger Things uh, was bewildered to find out that technically her character in the show is only 14. Oh, really? Yeah. She thought she was older at this point. Like she thought she was like 16 on the show. Nope. 14. I think I would have probably thought that too. Just because of how much time's passed since they started that show, you feel like it's more years in between the storylines. Yeah, it's only like three years in show timeline that's passed. Yeah. But yeah, she was, she was mind boggled by that. And then she was also then like kind of freaked out because was it in season three spoilers for season three kinda not really but you know like her and mike make out in season three and she's like yeah oh no we were just babies because we would have only been 13 (laughs) then in the show just making out on the show you know what good for her for realizing that that's kind of (laughs) weird true yeah true true but yeah, she was weirded out about that. I'm kind of convinced that she's really like a 30-year-old woman in like an 18-year-old's body. She just seems very like mature for her age. Really? I don't know. Yeah, I think so. She's always seemed just age appropriate. Which, so. you know, that's still better than acting like a crazy person, you know, but... No, I guess, I don't know. I think it's because I feel like whoever her like PR person is, is really good about coaching her on how to act in interviews and things like that and how to speak very eloquently. (laughs) I just feel like she's usually very good about that. You're just saying that because she's British. She's not actually (laughs) eloquent. She's just British. Mm, It just sounds mm -hmm. so fancy to us Americans. Right, right. Yeah, that's, that's all it is actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the whole accent thing. For whatever reason, Americans just assume British people are smart. If they if they like speak with a like a, like an atypical just British accent, we're just like, oh my god, they're so smart. Now, if it's like Cockney or something like that, then we don't think that. But <laughs> well, but I think it's also just because she's very like quick witted. Like she can come up with like something to say and like a you know like joking back and like her back and forth with whoever she's with interviewing wise. Usually you're just good with that kind of thing. British or not. That's fair. But there we go. There's a little bit of trivia. Yeah, a little bit out. A little bit of everything. God, I don't know why I spaced so hard on that. I really need to be more prepared because we're we're putting this out on more platforms now. I need to be 
I need to have all this stuff backed up. I can't wing it like I did with song titles. Like with songs, I could have just said, you know, what song makes you feel like you're going to pass out in a jet? Or something. I can wing that. Can't wing trivia. I actually have to know my shit then. Ugh. You guys. You guys put me on the spot. How dare you? How dare you embarrass me like this? I'm not embarrassed. I don't give a fuck. (laughs) Anyway, let's just go ahead. Let's move on. Let's move on to our song. Hey, Cinema fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And today, we will be talking about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between with the new hit movie, uh, Top Gun Maverick. It was like, what, 33 years in the making or some shit? Yeah. yeah better late than never, I suppose. Right. Um, we will go recommend. Uh, we will go spoiler-free recommendations and scores, and then into our more spoiler-centric section with time codes in the description to allow you to jump around if you so require. And uh, that also applies to YouTube. I do put those in the YouTube description, so you actually can jump around just by pressing the little things in the description. Uh, so if you want to skip straight ahead to the spoilers or whatever, you can. So also, if you are out there on YouTube, uh, thanks. I'm going to look at you just like this while I say it because, you know, I can't do anything like a rational human fucking being, I guess, anymore. Uh, <laughs> I guess with all that, um, I don't know which one he wants to go first. Go for it, Jason. Nope. You talk first. Heather, what are your spoiler free thoughts about <laughs> Top Gun Maverick? Oh, boy. <laughs> um. Honestly, I think that all the years of like making this movie and the delays or whatever it was, I think it paid off. Um, I really enjoyed this movie. I think it was a great film. I think it's a great summer blockbuster movie. It's got a little bit of everything in there. They're really great about how they move the story along. Um, A decent amount of, you know, callbacks to the original Top Gun, new characters, of course, and a new storyline in general. But it's still got that same feel and it's um, it, it's just a really well-told story with great acting and just entertaining. You know, it, there, I'm not bored at any point because it wasn't an overly long movie and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't too short. You know, they, they wrapped up storylines. They told the story they wanted to tell and I was on board for the whole thing. I think it was really, really great. So yeah, um, that is, yeah, that, that's my, I would say that's my, my first take on it. Um, and I am also one of those people that I did not see the original Top Gun until recently, um, more recently. So, <laughs> um, it was just kind of nice to like, you know, finally see that and just be like, okay, so this is what they're calling back to and all that in the sequel. Um, I think Miles Teller, as uh rooster was excellent 
I think he was a great choice. I think he did a great job. Tom Cruise being Tom Cruise, basically, you know. <laughs> so I think that he uh, he did a great job, you know, as the returning character. And honestly, I feel like the the way that they develop him from the first movie to now, it feels very real to how he would probably be like his character Maverick would be in, you know, they, they progressed him well as far as his character story and he would just act that way. I think he was like, yeah, this is the same person 30 years later. It was very believable that he was just that same person, that same character. They did a good job with that. And um, yeah, I just, I think they had a, a great cast of people in it. It actually, there's a lot of times when you have a lot of really great people in a movie and the movie just tanks and it's not good. But this one actually, everybody did what they were supposed to do. You know, they pulled back when they were supposed to. They stepped up when they were supposed to. Everybody was really great in this. And yeah, it was just very entertaining. Uh, Justin, what about you? Oh, my God. I turned into an old man. I started choking. Oh, my God. Oh, that was the worst <laughs> time ever. About the movie, I guess. That was the worst thing. I, and I about- knew I knew it was going to happen. And I'm like, but I have to speak. So I thought maybe I could just force it to sound normal. Nope. Didn't all. You completely surprised yourself. You were like, what is this sound I'm making? <laughs> I sounded like a man on his deathbed. Dear God. Okay. Well, glad you're okay there. Um, yeah. When it comes to this movie, I think especially because we're 30 plus something years removed from the original Top Gun. I highly recommend that if you are going to watch this, definitely watch the original before you watch this. I mean, you know, I can't speak for everybody, but I definitely needed the refresher. You know, I had some of the events where, you know, you, you can remember certain scenes and things like that in your head, but it, but I'm very happy that I went back, that I just made the decision to go back and watch it. And I actually watched it just before I went to the theater and watched Top Gun Maverick. And I think that was just like the best way to experience it all. Now, granted, that's what, four and a half, five hours. So, you know, maybe you don't have that kind of time to do them side by side. But I'm very happy that I did it side by side because I got every reference. There were a lot of callbacks, some of them subtle that I was like, ah, okay, I see what you did there. Ah, you know, so going back and seeing the first movie really helped this. And I must admit, um, if the first movie, I mean, is it a classic? I mean, I guess it is, right? Like, yes. I, I know it didn't review well with critics, but I know with people and audiences and stuff, the first Top Gun is considered like... I know a among audiences, it's pretty much a classic. Like, oh. it's kind of the movie that made Tom Cruise a star, right? That was like... Between that and Risky Business. Yeah, I, I was about to say, it's that and Risky Business are like... Rain they're Man. like there as kind of those stardom and, films. Yeah, and I think oh, that ahead, actually... Heather. No, I just think actually that Top Gun, I'm pretty sure, was the top movie of 1986, if I remember right. So yeah, it was, it's one of those where it might not have been like a critic favorite, but people loved it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, in, and in my estimation, I think, I feel like it's a classic 
Well, ladies and gentlemen, I think this is better. Um, this is a better movie, like top to bottom, up and down, the emotional roller coaster that it has, the what they did with this Maverick character, um, how meaningful it makes the first film, honestly. Like, th- this is probably, like, I-, I walked out and I just had a thought and I was like, is this one of the best sequels ever? And it might be. Like, I'm talking Godfather yeah. 2, like, Winter Soldier. Like, I think it's on that level as far as, like, a film that improves in almost every way on the original film. Now, and you know, it, but like with Godfather 1 and 2, that's like really close. Like, it's kind of like, I think Godfather 2 is better, but you know, that's very close. This is like, like Top Gun Maverick is like, I think it's two times better than the first Top Gun, honestly. It it vastly, it, it, it pass, it's like you said, it improves everything. Everything about it is an improvement. And like you were saying, critically, Top Gun might not have done well. But it is a classic because you can't talk about the 80s movies and not bring up Top Gun. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is, I agree with that. It's almost a definitive 80s movie. And to take it in a, a, a movie that at least has fan and audience connection and improve everything everything because even some of the things they steal from the first movie like danger zone at the beginning and some of the little guitar riff transitional things they're just automatically better because now they're in 7.1 surround sound dolby atmos you know fucking sound quality they're improved just because of our technology so even the things that are ripped from the 80s are better yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. And even in that opening, and out of this isn't really a spoiler, it's pretty much the opening of the first Top Gun, but the scenes that they show, like, and some of the things that they did with some of the jets being prepared to take off, and, like, there's this re- cut that they do with the wiring and showing, like, these guys prepare, like, the wiring that catches these planes and all of this kind of stuff, and it was doing these cool little uh, jump cuts and stuff during that danger zone music. And I was just like, damn, man. But, but, and I was like, this is going to be a good movie. But honestly, even before that, like before the movie even starts, Tom Cruise is on the screen and he's telling you that this is that, you know, we did this for the fans. Like, I'm glad that you're here. I hope that you enjoyed this movie. We used real jets and we tried to use these practical effects and I really hope that you enjoyed this movie because you know we made this movie for you and you know I mean after that camera cut off Tom Cruise should have started could have started laughing right like belly laughing after the camera went off and went can you believe I just said that who who's like who's gonna believe that obviously this is about money but I'm not going to lie to you, man. I believed him. I looked into that man's eyes and I believed that he did this <laughs> in some respect for fans. And more, it was more about that than money. And 
I, I mean, yeah. I believed him. And I just knew after he talked that this was going to be good. Like, I just, I just knew. Like, it was just a feeling came over me and I went, damn, man, this might be something special. And it was. I mean, all of the actors showed up for this. Um, Tom Cruise comes back, but because the script is so well crafted, his character Maverick is more meaningful in this. What he has, what he's asked to do in this movie, kind of the task at hand adds more layers to this character. Um, Rooster, what you're talking about, how um, Rooster, how that whole story plays out and his relationship to Maverick in this movie and the back and forth with them and everything like that. It all just comes together very nicely at the end. Um, the And one of the things that made the first Top Gun such a great movie was the dog fighting, right? Was these planes, these military jet planes flying in the air, doing all this crazy stuff and all the dog fighting and the tension with that. Well, man, dude, this, like, like we said, this improves on the first one in every way. The dog fighting in this was way better, like, and not even just from a graphical, like a technical standpoint, but the way that they build tension in this movie during those scenes, they're breathtaking scenes, like just how they look visually, how they really capture what it must be like to be in one of those fighter planes doing this. Like they just did such a good job with that. The cockpit views that you get, the views outside the planes, it they just everything is just nailed in this. And at the end, um, even if you saw certain things in the ending coming, even if you kind of knew how this was going to go or predicted how it was going to go, uh, it's executed so well. I just don't know how you walk out of this movie and not be satisfied. So, yeah, man, this was a home run of a movie. You know, if I've ever seen one this year, it really was, man, in just about every aspect. And, yeah, I think not only does it improve on the originals, I think this has to go in the category of probably one of the best sequels I personally have ever seen. Yeah, you're not wrong on that. Yeah, uh, to piggyback off of that, yeah, it's it 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 is one of the best sequels ever, and it's like you said because it took a movie that's a good movie, you know, like I said, quintessential eighties movie. I'm not going to say it's great. I love Top Gun. Don't get me wrong. I love Top Gun. I've watched it hundreds of times easily. I did not rewatch it going into Maverick just because I've seen it so many fucking times. I didn't fucking need to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I didn't need it to catch the references in this movie. You know, I've seen Top Gun so many times, but it, it's a good movie. This is a fucking great movie. Like top to bottom quality of acting is better. This, the fact that they're doing this shit in real jets is better. They used a lot of models in the first one. Nope. No models in this. They fucking were in the planes. The people were in the planes. The people were taught how to set up their own cameras, establish shots, apply their own makeup, reapply their own makeup, how to run the camera crews, all that shit, and then act. And they didn't have, like, a lot of people thought that they might have, like, headphones or, like, 
earpieces to hear so they can remember their lines or be told instructions. Nope. None of that. They were in the air with their, like, you know, most of the time with a pilot because none of them actually flew the plane, you know? Um, so if they were shown being in the front seat, an actual pilot was in the back seat. If they were in the back seat, an actual pilot was in the front seat, you know, but they were in the jets. So, you know, wow. when Tom Cruise is sitting there going, these are real G's like that they're experiencing all that stuff. Yeah, that's happening. Not to spoil anything, but there's a few scenes where they're trying to max out, you know, essentially what they could take G wise. And it shows, it like shows the fucking people head on looking like they're about to pass the fuck out. That's because those actors were about to pass the fuck out. Like that was real. You know, I didn't even know that that's tight. Yes. I didn't know it was to that extent. That's crazy. Um, yeah, everything awesome. in this was done you practically know. outside of some of the dog fighting parts. Cause you know, they're not really blowing up $35 million planes. Fair, fair. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, my, my little bit of trivia, I'll go ahead and throw it in now. Cause it's not a spoilery thing. Uh, it cost them 12, roughly $12,000, a little bit less. It was like 11,000 and some change between 11 and 12,000 per hour to film in a jet. What? That's how much. Damn, per- dude. And this movie only ended up costing $150 million. I know that's a lot of money, but for a big blockbuster movie, no. 150 ain't shit. This movie cost $150 million. Man, they must have saved a lot on location. Like that. And the fact that like, maybe you're, you're not doing a lot of sets. You're not doing a lot of sets. You're not doing fight choreography. You're not doing car scenes. You're, you're fucking movies. Yeah. Your fucking movie is using naval uniforms, people's regular ass clothes. And in jets, you know what I yeah. mean? So yeah, yeah, you're spending 1200 or, you know, $12,000 an hour roughly in a jet. Yes. But that's what 90% of your movie is jets, you know? So, but yeah, like, and so if they fucked up a shot, cause they would like, if they fucked up a shot, it'd be about an hour later before they would know that it got fucked up. Cause then they would, they would have to then like, they'd have to lay in the plane go through the, like download the footage, watch the footage and go, Nope, you fucked up. We got to do it again. Wow. Apparently, wow, dude. apparently miles teller fucked up one of the scenes and actually accidentally re-recorded over part of a scene they already shot. So they had to redo that whole segment again, you know, but like, that's how dedicated they were to doing it is they were fucking filming it. You know, I got to see a making of this. I have to see a making yeah. of this. If they had taken an extra hour and said, if you stay after, there'll be an hour making of it. I would have stayed like the movie is that good. <laughs> yeah. Like I would have stayed. <laughs> and I, I go back to what you were saying though, Justin, Tom Cruise at the beginning would like, I know Tom Cruise is a good actor, but you could weirdly tell he wasn't acting. You could tell that that was just genuine passion on his part. Yeah. To be so fucking stoked about making this movie. And then you watch the movie and you go, oh, yeah, I get why you were stoked making this movie. It's a fucking fantastic yeah. movie. You know? Yeah. And like, 
And it was him. He's the one that was like, no, we're doing this in real jets. He, he was trying. He's got a license to fly a jet. He can fly a jet. He actually owns an F5. He owns technically a jet. He tried so hard for them to let him fly one of these fucking things. He tried so hard. So much so that he was like, can we just buy one of them so I can be the one flying it? You know, but. Man, if if Tom Cruise can't get you to do it, then nobody can. Exactly. But you could tell, though, he just was so like you watch every bit of this movie. Everybody in this movie, but it it goes back to Tom Cruise because this movie doesn't happen with Tom Cruise. It's, you know, everything like that. This is a fucking passion project if I've ever seen one. And I mean that from just the sheer passion to want to do it, to want to do it right. And then having the passion to then do it right. Yeah. Yeah. Even writing the characters the right way. Yeah. I mean... It's sad. Like spoilers for the first Top Gun. If you haven't seen it by now, I don't know. Fucking do something with your life. Watch Top Gun. It's sad when Goose dies. But there is a death in this movie that fucking wrecked me. It was 15, 20 times more impactful than Goose dying to me. It yeah, fucking get that. hit me. And it's because of the way they developed the characters better in this movie. It's developed better, even though you only get some snapshots of that relationship. You get some snapshots and it's just better. You know? I mean, just everything about this movie just hits so much better than the first movie. And I, I mean that no disrespect to the first Top Gun. Even the beach scene with just shirtless men doing sports on a beach is better in this movie. And I didn't think that there was a, a shirtless man beach scene that could be better than the first Top Gun. <laughs> I thought we hit peak shirtless beach athletics in Top Gun. I never thought it would be beat. <laughs> better. Yeah. Better. And in this they movie. even gave that scene a purpose. That yeah. scene has a purpose. There's a reason why they're out there. There's a reason why they're doing it. That's explained. So yeah, even everything that, in this movie you know, has purpose. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie. It's kind of a dumb explanation because I still don't think that that works, but you know what? In the movie it did. I don't think in real life when it works. When Tom Cruise tells you why, you believe him. <laughs> yeah. In the movie, it works, though. Real life, I don't think it's possible. But in the movie, it, it works. So within the universe of the movie, solid explanation. So. But no, I, I, I really enjoyed this movie. I, it's, it's. I'd almost argue it's my second favorite movie of this year. It's not better than everything, everywhere, all at once. It's not better than that. It's probably better than anything else I've seen this year, though. Anything else. It's close. It's close. But no, it's not better than that movie. It's, it's, I think it's in the league of, of everything, everywhere, all at once. 
in regards to just being a damn good movie. You know, because it's kind of like comparing apples and watermelons. Yeah, I was about to say they're so different, but just. Yeah. But yeah. But on, on the level of sheer enjoyment, they're like 1A, 1B. Yeah. On a sheer enjoyment level, they're they're the same. But realistically speaking, everything everywhere all at once is a better movie. You know, it's it, but like I said, it's apples and watermelons. It's it's not even apples and watermelons, honestly. It's like apples and sirloin steaks. They're just they're they're different. <laughs> you know. But it's good. It's it's yeah, like and, you know, Tom Cruise, and one of the reasons why this movie took so long to come out was he was fighting for it not to be put on a streaming service. Because the whole pandemic, they wanted to throw this on a streaming service and just get it out. And I think that this is showing them they made the right move. I, there are very few movies that I've seen that I'm like, okay, that didn't need to, like, that could have gone to streaming. Like, it could have. This one, no. Like, once again, this is kind of one of those things, just like I said about everything everywhere all at once. This is kind of one of those movies that this is the reason why you go to movies. Like, this is why you go to the theater to see this shit. You know, like you to have the fucking planes fucking surround sound around you and shake your seat and fucking, you know, the fucking huge ass screen and, you know, to see the spectacle that's going on. Yeah, this is why we go to movie theaters. This is one of those movies. And like it's it, it almost makes me feel like a curmudgeon old man because I'm like and they did it with like very little special effects. Like this is like practical movie magic. You know, like don't get me wrong, I I'm fine with special effects. I don't think they ruined movies like so many people, but if you want to have that argument with me that like you can do some sh- really awesome shit in a fucking blockbuster movie. You know, that's got fucking, you know, like action set pieces. If you want to tell me you can do that without special effects and you want to use this movie as an argument that you don't always need special effects to do it, I'm going to have to concede a little bit because it succeeds with just the most minimal special effects. So, you know, what can you do at that point? Uh, recommendations and scores? Yep. Yeah. Recommendations and score. Uh, Justin, go. Yeah, it's going to be a recommend. It's great. And if you're a fan of Top Gun and you haven't seen it already, which the movie's doing so well at the box office, I'm sure you have. But um, if you haven't seen it, it's it's worth your time. It makes the first movie better because of how it tells the story, how it develops the characters, and how it brings meaning to the first movie in order to get to the emotional places it gets in this movie. So, yeah, it's a great movie. I'm definitely going to recommend it. And we're going to go with Man, I should have thought more about my the number I was going to give it. I mean, 
I didn't have a single problem with this. <laughs> where can I minus it? I don't know where to minus it, but I don't like giving perfect scores. Um, we'll, we'll just go with, we'll, we'll just go with, um, we'll go with 96. This is going to be out of left field, but we'll go with 96. Man, even the Mission Impossible movie preview looked damn awesome. Dude. <laughs> Before this movie even came on, out of a hundred, Tom Cruise is a damn beast. Was that not out the, of a hundred again? Was that not <laughs> the perfect fucking trailer to be right before this fucking movie? Damn, yeah. took my breath away. I was like, "Nice, I see what you did there." Why are these <laughs> movies get? How is these movies still good? How, how does he do it anyway? Dude, yeah. Mission Impossible is one of the single best franchises out there, and the second one sucks universally the second one sucks yes and i'm not a fan of the third one i understand a lot of people are i'm not a fan of the third one it's better than two i'll give it that (laughs) but it's still to me one of the best franchises out there because the first one the fourth one the fifth one the sixth one it's like everything like everything else is just so good that i can ignore the second and third one and be fine because they are just so damn good. Dude, the first one still holds up. First one still holds up. I need to go back and revisit that. Oh, I it will. Works. When this comes out, I'm going to have to watch them all again. It's so. not the best one. I, I still think Ghost Protocol is the best. I know we're getting a little I out there. I think so, too. Yeah, I that think great. So too. I really Oof. love that one. Yeah, but it's... Oh, such... Yeah, Tom Cruise, like... I love you, man. I love you. Uh, Heather. Fallout is the one with Henry Cavill, though, right? Mission Impossible Fallout? See, I get confused on the names. He was in... Mm. Uh, uh, yes. Yes, he was Fallout. The, the most right. recent yeah. one, right? Yeah. Okay. Where's that Rogue... Because that's not Rogue Nation. That's not Rogue Nation. I get them confused. Like, honestly, it's just... It's the naming part I get confused. Uh, but Heather... What are your uh, recommendation scores for this movie? Yeah, I definitely recommend it. Um, I honestly like, and I'm not saying don't watch the original Top Gun if you haven't, but I'm just saying like, you don't have to see the first one to know what's happening here. Uh, just kind of like what Jason said, it makes the first one better. If you know what's going on, you know, for this second one, you know, it, it just kind of, they, they really complement each other is what I mean by that. Um, but it's it's an excellent movie. It's just that really, it's rewatchable. You know, it's really well acted, very well paced, and um, you know, knowing all the background of it. And you're right; it is totally a passion project. You could tell, and just the care and the thought that went into the training for them to do this, and the you know, just the stories of the characters surrounding them. Uh, it just really works so well. Because it's not like nothing is overly complicated or complex with any of it. It's but it's all just very perfectly well written in a way. So I I just think that that really benefits it. You know, it's it's one of those where it didn't need to have all these crazy plot twists and turns and everything like that. It was just a straightforward story in a way that I just had heart behind it and great action, you know, and great, you know, um, stakes and great suspense really and that's really 
all I would really want from a movie like this. Like it kind of delivered on all of those things. So yeah, I, I definitely think it's worth it for sure. And I would agree. I think honestly, it is the best movie that I've seen this year uh, just because I'm behind on seeing um, the other movie. But I do think this is the best one that I've seen this year so far for sure. Um, I'm going to give it. Um, I'm going to go 94 Tom Cruise falling out of a window, getting caught anyway out of 100. Um, yeah, I easily recommend this movie. Like I said, it's, it's right up there with the best of the year so far for me. Um, and it's just because it's just incredibly solid top to bottom. I do think that there are some like minor flaws in it, but this movie weirdly takes some of these flaws and then just succeeds with them. Like the end of the movie I think some of the the setup for it is a little bit flawed, but it still makes it so fun to watch it actually play out still. You're like, okay, let's, yes, okay. I accept it. I love it. You know, because it gets a little tropey with some things. But then it just, it uses those tropes so well that you're just like, okay. Like, yes, this is what I signed up for. I mean, if you're going to make a sequel ever, your goal should be to make it a Top Gun Maverick. If you're going to make your sequel decades later, you've got no shot unless you're Top Gun Maverick at this point. Like, dear God, you know, I really loved Jurassic World. I thought it was a, I thought it was a fantastic movie. And I think it makes up for a lot of the, ways that the the saga of Jurassic Park could kind of sway. Now that saga hasn't completely held up a little bit, but I thought it was great, especially how many years it was after the original and all kinds of stuff. I think it took a hit because of this movie. Like I like, cause that kind of used to be my gold standard of making a sequel so much, so many years later. And it, we're talking about stuff outside of star Wars and all that stuff. Like they're, those things are a little different with how they operate in those franchises because we were getting other content from them. If they weren't even a sequel, you were getting your star Wars rebels and clone wars and comic books. You were getting all, you were still getting star Wars shit. You know what I mean? We weren't getting top gun shit outside of maybe a video game where they were like dog fighters, top gun edition or some shit. You know what I mean? Like even then I doubt it was movie related. It was probably based on the same school. You know what I mean? Like, but you weren't getting top gun content. For the last 33 years and they decided to make a sequel. You know, this, this should be movie goals at this point. Like if you're not doing a big franchise and you're just doing a sequel. Yeah. You better be getting hit. Like you, you have to be trying to hit Top Gun Maverick levels. You won't hit it. You won't. But that's your goal. Is this movie. Um, I'm going to give it 98, 98 Admiral's daughters out of a hundred, uh, spoilers. Yep. Yeah. 
I think that was one of my favorite touches in this movie. The fact that the first movie, they talk about the flyby of an admiral's house or technically an admiral's daughter. And Goose is like, oh, Penny Benjamin? And he's like, yeah, all that shit. Never actually see her. And then in this movie, bam, we get Penny. We get the flyby girl herself. Yeah. It's a nice way to set it up. It really is. You know? Because it's just one of those nice little nods to the first movie. You know? Just a super nice little nod to the first movie. You know? Like we were talking about, the opening sequence of this is ripped pretty much from the first movie, but it's done with modern, like a modern aircraft carrier, modern jets, you know, but they use the song. They use the, you know, everything else is the same. And fuck, does it work better though? Like one of the things that I think surprised me the most about this movie were the little guitar riff scene transitional songs. That still fucking worked. I don't know why there's something about 80s solo guitar and jets that just really works together. I don't know. I didn't know that that was a thing. I thought it was just a Top Gun thing. Nope. It works anytime. Apparently it still works in 2022. And I was really, I I really just enjoyed that. Like, but I mean, my biggest thing that I want to talk about with this, because I know you guys will also talk about a lot of the other stuff, but I insanely fucking dug the Maverick Iceman relationship in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. It was good stuff. Because I, I did not know if we were actually going to get Val Kilmer in the movie. I knew that they were going to have pictures of him. And I knew that there was probably going to be something between them. But I didn't know if we were actually going to get Val in the movie. Because if anybody yeah, doesn't same. know... Val's having a tough time right now. Uh, a lot of the stuff that they wrote into his character of Iceman, that's kind of really what's fucking happening with Val Kilmer. Oh, okay. Val Kilmer can't speak right now. It's a very hard oh, wow. time speaking. Yeah. Okay, I did not know that. There's a documentary out there called, I want to say it's like, uh, I Am Val, or something like that. Go watch it. It's because it shows a lot of this shit. Because it's like basically was made off of like home videos that he's kind of recorded his whole career up till now. Yeah, no, Val's not doing well. Like that whole scarf thing. Yeah, that's he's wears that in real life because of all the shit he's had to do to his neck. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that's why I did not. And for a while, they could not get Val. That was actually a reshoot. Because Val, like, I guess, was well enough to shoot the scene and he wanted to do it. So we got that scene because of a reshoot. And that's part of the like cool thing that this movie got delayed because it kind of made that scene possible. Um, but yeah, him dying, dude. Oh, man. And I knew it was going to be him because they showed the funeral in the trailer. You know, and I knew because also in the trailer, you see this. They, they're like, the only reason why you're here is because of, you know, Admiral Iceman. I can't remember his character's last name, but they're like, Admiral Iceman wants you here. You know, and so whenever it showed that funeral scene, I knew that was Iceman that died. Just because I knew in real life, Val couldn't, you know, was in such bad shape that that that's how they were probably going to play it. Yeah. 
but they do such a good job setting up their relationship just via text messages. Like, you could tell that there was an evolution over 33 years of their friendship. But, you know, instead of being able to show you that, because they can't show you 33 years of them building a friendship, they just dive right into what their friendship currently is. And they do such a good job of doing that, that you feel it. You're able to mentally put in 33 years of building a friendship. Just based on text messages. And if you had any doubts whatsoever, then you get to see it. Then they do the scene with him in, in, in Iceman. And that seals any doubts you could have ever had that they were building a friendship over 33 years. Sealed it. And yeah, it, like the way he was with the family and things like yeah. that too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And just the way they would talk to each other and stuff like that. Like that embrace they had and stuff like that. They're so fucking good. And it, and it instantly gives so much meaning back to the first movie. You know, their rivalry and everything like that. You know, it just, it adds to so many dynamics from that movie. And it also shows the journey that both those characters went on over 33 years. They might have been fucking rivals that gained respect, at least by the end of the first movie. Now, no, they, they're, they're fucking like brothers at this point, you know, and it adds so much to that, you know. And I and I do think they also do a good job of using the rooster character in this movie to really put a, a better emphasis on the Goose Maverick relationship. They enhance the Goose Maverick relationship by the relationship he has with Rooster because they do such a good job of showing that he had developed a relationship with Rooster over time. And you know, I really like the way they played it because the trailers almost make it seem like, oh, he just thinks Maverick's the guy that killed his dad. And therefore, that's why he hates Maverick. And that's not really what it was at all. You know, they had a relationship. It's just whenever he wanted to go into the Naval Academy, Maverick blocked it, you know, because the mom wanted him to. And but then there was such a great thing with Maverick. He's like, it's okay if he hates me. I didn't want him to hate his mom also. Such a good fucking element of storytelling with that. You know, because I, th- I would have thought it would, I would have hated this movie if their relationship was, you're the guy that got my dad killed, but I became a pilot anyway, and now I'm just as good as you. I would have fucking hated that story. Yeah, and that's so typical of like movies of lesser quality. like. If in a worse written movie, that would have been the reason because it's easy, you know, that that's just very easy to do. And I was hoping somebody would talk about that because they came up with something that felt logical and it was believable. And when you saw the twist and turns of that, you were like, oh, okay, so that's what that's why Rooster holds all of this, you know, um, anger towards him. It just made sense and it made the characters feel more believable because man, that would have been such a cop out if he was like, you killed my dad and then 
then there would have to be a scene where he goes, well, this is what actually happened. And, you know, it's just like, I'm so glad they didn't do that. You know, they almost make it seem in the trailer like that is going to be what it is for sure. But yeah, I'm glad they didn't either. And they do a good job of the movie seeming like when they first introduce each other and stuff like that, or when they first are around each other in the movie, they do a good job of making you think that is, that is why. And then slowly as the movie goes on and you, you learn about their dynamics and you see them more around each other, you learn more and more about the real reasons why and all that other stuff. And then it, it, it just makes it that much more satisfying by the time you get to the end of the movie. And it also, the story that they use in the movie makes a better justification for them overcoming the issues at the end of the movie. You know, them being on a team and like sacrificing for each other and like all those things feels better because it's a better reason why they had a falling out than just a, you killed my dad. Oh, this is what really happened. Because then, you know, they would have the obligatory scene of, I don't believe you. And then he would go and look at naval documents and school records and find out that that is what happened to his dad. And he goes, oh, maybe I can trust Maverick. Yeah. God, that oh, would have been God. so fucking dumb. I know. God. Just the littlest difference that this made, though, to not do that. It's crazy. Exactly. But just by having the smarts to not go that route. And to have a, an easier thing to overcome. Him just thinking he sabotaged him. You know, like it's a big deal, but it's it's a lot easier to overcome than your father's death. You know, like because. Yeah. And it adds to that whole thing, too, because obviously his son, you know, Rooster is going to have some conflicted feelings, but because he had to have known, obviously, with his mom and the stories she must have told him. He knew that his dad, Goose, and Maverick were close. He knew that. So there are all kinds of conflicting feelings. So it just felt so believable that when Maverick sabotaged him like that, he would be like, what? I mean, I thought, you know, to me, that would make it even more confusing. Like, not that he's blaming Maverick for his dad's death, but more like, I thought you and my dad were cool. So why would you do this to me? I'm his son. You know, to me, it, it helps, you know, now that former relationship can kind of help the history of this because you understand Rooster's confusing feelings, but then you understand what Maverick is doing also. And it all ties back to Goose just so very well. Well, and I mean, the movie doesn't outright say it, but it implies heavily that after Rooster's mom died also, it almost implies that Maverick is the one that took care of him. You yeah, know? like it, like yeah. I said, it doesn't outright say it, but loosely, it, yeah, it heavily implies that, like you know, he was with Maverick for like a few years before he went off to the Naval Academy or something. You know what I mean? And then that's when they had the falling out. So like, I liked that aspect that they actually had a good relationship, and then they had that story, and I like the fact that, like, the logic Maverick had about not telling him the truth seems like such a like a, a a maverick thing to do of like i'll sacrifice my personal relationship with somebody so that somebody else's relationship isn't destroyed in the process yeah you know what i mean that that you know as much as it hurts him he's always willing to be the one that's sacrificed 
you know, because, of, you know, of how he is and stuff like that. And I just, I thought that those were just such great dynamics and, and great elements of storytelling, you know. And it's just, it's so intertwined with such fucking amazing action set pieces with these jets. Because even the training is fucking fantastic. Like, technically, most of this movie is the equivalent of a training montage, in a way. Most of this movie is training. And it's done such, like, so fucking great. You know, like, I mean, part of my problems with, like, little problems with this movie, like I said. Would Maverick be able to just so constantly break the rules? No. No, he wouldn't. You know, whenever he goes and essentially steals the jet to go do the run that, you know, nobody even believes is possible for them to do it, you know, to like make the turns and hit the targets and do, do all those things. Cause even the, the Admiral John Hamm doesn't believe it's possible. So he's not even trying to get him to do it. That's why he's like, nope, we're relaxing the time and all this stuff. Cause he's like, somebody's just going to die. Who cares? Would he have actually been able to take off in that jet? No. In no way in fucking hell would they have actually allowed him to get in a jet, let alone take it off. Because the Admiral would have said no, and nobody's going to disobey an Admiral's orders to allow him to prove a point. Not going to fucking happen. Right, right. Yeah, there would have been so many clearances that would have had to have been executed to get that jet in the air for that. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. It's dumb. It would have never happened. But I'll be damned if that wasn't a fantastic fucking scene, though. Right. Even like you have the jet part of it that's fucking amazing. But even just everybody sitting in that classroom, just listening and kind of like watching the little display version of it. Oh, fucking fantastic. Yeah. And didn't that whole mission, the task of, you know, having to bob and weave in this low terrain and then going and then, you know, turning over the plane and going up this mountain and down into this part, like that almost felt very mission impossible. Like it wouldn't surprise me Um, if the, the way that was kind of like the briefing of it, this is what has to be done. This is the goal stuff like that. Like I almost feel like did, did like, I wonder if Tom Cruise had a hand in like creating that or like the execution of it, how it was explained. And because it really like created something. So by the time we get to the end of the movie, you had seen that visual, you, you, you knew what they were trying to do. So when you're seeing the scenes, like whether when Tom did it himself to prove it could be done. And then later at the end of the movie, when we're all doing it as a crew together, like, you just remember it vividly what they had to do, the bobbing and weaving. You got to dip the plane and go up the mountain and then come down, you know, and then reposition yourself, hit the targets. Then the next two are going to come after you. Like it felt very like mission impossible to me, that portion of it. So I don't know. It just, it was just something that felt kind of in the spirit of that too. Oh, to me, it was the Death Star run. Oh, really? Yeah, I could see that. It's the Death Star I could see that. But but done with real fucking planes. So that's what makes it, like, to me, actually cooler than the Death Star run. 
is they actually fucking did it. So that's really kind of cool. You know? Yeah. I didn't even think about the Death Star, but yeah, I, I totally get that too. But the whole briefing of it and this is what you got to do and we got to do this. Like the other movie, it wasn't really like that at all. You know, there really wasn't like this mission and thing that they were trying to do with these. You know, it, it wasn't um nothing like that. Nothing of that detail. You know what I mean? Well, I, weren't they suddenly attacked? I thought if I'm remembering correctly, it was just a patrol and then they encountered the enemy. Yeah. And then the enemy just attacked them. So this was just completely kind of different in that way. But it made it like better because you understood the entire mission. And so the whole time stuff is happening or when something's going wrong, you as an audience member are like, oh, that went wrong or oh, no, you know they're they're too high and the movie does a good job of explaining that stuff but there are scenes where you can you notice it before the the movie tells you uh oh they're you know he's going he's going a little too high or man he's not going fast enough like i could even tell before the movie told me and i think that that's just because of the incredible job they did explaining it before it even happened like I just somebody else I appreciate it. Oh yeah, yeah, that was super good with that. I I I completely agree with it, and I like that. I like the fact that the way this movie sets everything up, it's almost like that mission is so ingrained in you, as it is the pilots, and that adds a sense of of, of connection and 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 like reality to the movie. You know that you're so. That mission and the parameters and what needs to happen to be successful and live and all those things are so ingrained in you that like you you feel it in the movie too. Like you said, like, oh, he's not going, he's not going fast enough. Like you feel all those things at the exact same time that the movie's feeling it. Like, because you are so connected with the movie at that point. And that's what really adds to like a, a weird level of of filmmaking because like how many times are you as an audience member truly connected with a fighter pilot? Yeah. You are in this. That's true. And they just made it such a point to when they were training for this, they just made such a point to give you those intricate details. So when these pilots are failing and you're seeing the how and the why and you know and Maverick is critiquing them and telling them this is what you're doing wrong or this is what happened here or this is why that didn't work y'all weren't together this then the other and you know some of that was in the first um Top Gun movie with them trying to develop synergy and stuff like that some of those aspects were there but man I mean just the how incredible they did of not only explaining the mission but then showing the different parts of how these people were failing it and how they needed to do it better. It just, it helped me as an audience member, just remember it all. So like, like, so like we're saying, by the time you get to the end of the movie, you know exactly what these pilots are supposed to like. It it felt like you were there along with the training and stuff like that. And like you said, uh, just all the tension that, that, I mean, and that's so important to me because the tension that's built at the end with that mission 
is because of all of that that they did. It was all that groundwork earlier in the film that leads to those scenes having the tension that they did in a lot of ways. No, I definitely agree with that. I mean, also, I really loved, like, with those scenes, like, you know, when they, were, they, they, they have the plane malfunction in the training, you know, they did a really good job of setting it up and also did a really good job of avoiding what so many sequels would do. So many sequels would have somebody die like Goose did in that sequence. So many sequels would. And this movie would. Yeah. We don't need that. You've already had that in the first movie. Why do we need to do that again? Also, by having Admiral Iceman die, you get that emotional part from Tom Cruise. But I also like it too that he didn't have somebody die and then he just goes off the handle. You know what I mean? Like, I like that it shows that maturity too from him. You know, that he, I mean, yeah, yeah. it, it pushed him to want to go do that run to show them, you know, why that it's possible. Like, I loved that part. Like, while I did think it was ridiculous that he was even able to do it, I loved that it was mainly he did it to prove to everybody it's possible. It can be done. Everybody, nobody wanted to, nobody, could do it because nobody thought it was possible. He went to do it at least to show it was possible. And, and I liked that they had that little scene with Iceman where he's like, Hey, you need to do this to show the Navy. Why we still need pilots. Why you still need people because only people can do some of these things. And I love that they used that as the scene instead of, you need to go do this just to show everybody you're the best still. It, I, I like that it really had nothing to do with that. As much as it had to do, just go show people why this is a thing still. And I thought that that was a yeah. really great way of showing it in the movie. Um, Heather, what about you? What are some thoughts? Because we haven't heard much from you in this part. What are some thoughts from you? Yeah, I mean, and the more you talk about it, the more I'm like, man, this, this sequel really like understood the assignment. Like it really just did, it it did the best that it could do. Like there's no possible way to have made or wanted any more from the sequel than what we got. You know, Um, I think the moment for me that I knew I was going to really like this movie was actually when um, in that opening scene, when he's trying to get up to like the 10 G, you know, um, and the guy that he's talking to is like, listen, are you sure you want to do this? Cause you know, what's going to happen if you do. And then he just said back to him, like, I know what will happen to you guys if I don't. And like, when I heard that, I was like, this is just about to be a really great movie. <laughs> like, I don't know what it was about that line of dialogue in that moment that I was like, yeah, we're in for something really good here. You know? So even just from the very beginning, this movie was just delivering everything that I would want, you know, they did not waste a single moment of screen time that they give you. They, they have very effective um, dialogue and reasons for things. And even though it is one of those callback movies, of course, to the first one, they use it effectively. They don't do it where it's just kind of like, you know, Sterling, you would probably, you know, compare it with like a Ghostbusters where they did way too much of it and it just meant nothing. (laughs) 
this movie actually did it, but it it meant something and it was effective in how they did these callbacks because it actually related to something that was going to be happening in the movie, you know, and I just think that that was very clever and very smart on their part. And I just really, the attention to detail that they put, even in the storytelling, even in the character development, everything they do with this is just so on point, you know, and I, I do agree about the relationship between, um, rooster and maverick because i honestly had a completely different expectation for what that relationship was going to be throughout this movie and it changed everything about what i thought it was going to be and i think it i i did i will say i did think for a brief moment that rooster was going to die (laughs) but i thought it was going to be him dying to save maverick you know, I thought it was going to be one of those situations, but I'm very happy that neither of them did die because I was so afraid that somebody was about to die. Like that was like in action, you know, <laughs> one of the pilots or the people being trained. So, but like you said, Sterling, like they didn't need that. They didn't need to do that. They didn't need to recreate something that we already, you know, mourned happening in the first film. And it's, it's just really a testament to like wanting to be wanting to tell a story that people care about because they didn't do all the tropes. They didn't do all these things. And it's not a perfect movie, but it's pretty close to being a really perfect movie. It's just, there's not a lot of things in this movie you can find that you won't like. Um, I will say, I mean, actually I think in both the first one and this one, I don't really think the love stories are really the strong point of these movies. But I don't think they're meant to be necessarily. Um, And so they don't really, I feel like they don't really put as much focus on the love story, like even Maverick with Penny, which was a really cool callback. Um, You know, like you see bits and pieces and and yeah, it's an important relationship, but it's, it never really feels like it's the focus of the movie or the focus of Maverick or the story. And I just think that's interesting because you know, there's there's lots of movies, at least for me, that I'll watch and I'm like, but what's going to happen with his relationship? What's going to happen with his love story? And not that I, I didn't want him to have that and be happy, but it just was the thing I cared least about in everything with this movie. I cared about all these other relationships, like the relationship with the rooster and even Hangman and like what was going to happen with him because he was very, very clearly like the Iceman type character You know, and it was just like, I wanted to see what was going to happen with all of these other characters and relationships within the, the group of pilots. Like, and I think that you're right. Like, I never expected that I would be watching a movie about pilots and be like, I care about this part of it. (laughs) Like, that's just not something I expected. And it just really speaks to how well written the story is, honestly. And yeah, I just really there's not there's not a lot of flaws like i do agree also that he would have been kicked out forever ago with the stuff that he pulled but it paid off you know and there's reasons why and it wasn't just like tom cruise putting it in just to be like look how awesome i still am it was like no no i'm doing it because i want to show them what can be done and what they're capable of and um i also loved john ham and how so very resentful he was of Maverick at everything he did. Like 
even even that scene we were just talking about where he's showing them that it can be done. Just that look on his face of like, I hate you for proving this because this means that, you know, I, I have to do something now. But it it just was so it was just funny. And I I just appreciate also even with John Hamm's character, like he wasn't like he didn't necessarily hate Maverick just to hate him. He had his reasons and even in spite of his feelings personally towards him, he was like, I need to do what's going to be best for this group because this mission is too important. So it just really felt like everybody was on board for like, we have to do what's going to work because of how important this is. And um, yeah, it just really, everything paid off. Everything about this sequel completely paid off in all possible ways. And I just did not, I mean, I knew, I felt like it was going to be a good movie. I did not know I was going to like it this much. Um, And I also agree about the Iceman relationship, like also very realistic because yeah, 30 years of friendship, even you're just texting, you know, that happens when you're friends with somebody for long enough. There's lots of people that my friendship with them, a lot of it is we just text each other to catch up. Like that's just a very realistic type of friendship for somebody that you've known for that long. Right. Um, in this day and age. So I really, I love how they did that. And just the almost still like that mentor, like he's still teaching him kind of relationship that it felt like they had. And um, I just, I love Mavericks just how much you can tell in the way he speaks of him and the way he speaks to him, how much respect he has for him. And that was really, really well received. And I I think especially considering how that played out and how, what happened with Iceman in this movie, that was really, that paid off really well. And you understand the impact that his death had on Maverick. So yeah, I just really, and I also knew that, hangman at the end was going to come in and rescue them when they went rogue and things went crazy i knew that hangman was going to do that because he was sitting in those wings or like he was sitting there just like can i go can i go and they weren't letting him and i was like he's gonna go and he's gonna save them i know that's what's gonna happen so it it was a bit predictable in some ways yes but you still want to see how awesome it is when they get to those points so i i have no issues with the predictability of this movie because the way that they did it was well done. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, one of the things at the end with this movie, that was one of the things that kind of annoyed me a little bit until it played out was the whole, like they get shot down and then they're like, how are we going to get out of here? Oh, let's go get in the F-14. The one that, you know, the plane that should never do any of this stuff or whatever and all this other stuff. I was like, oh, that's a dumb trope because he's like, it's not the pilot or it's not the plane. It's the pilot. The thing they've been saying the entire movie. It was like that part of it was kind of an annoying setup for me. But then the scene plays out. And it's fantastic. Like, I loved that scene with F-14 and he's fucking doing all this shit. And then he's all out of ammo and all this other stuff. And then, yeah, like you said. You know Hangman's going to come save him. You know that's going to happen. But it felt very you satisfying. You want to see it. Yeah, it felt <laughs> yeah. very satisfying when it happened. You know, so I'll give it that. It, it was at least you knew it was going to happen, but you felt satisfied when it did. And 
you know, to go back to what you were saying though, Heather, with, with this and Ghostbusters, this movie I felt to me would, whenever it went, Hey, do you remember the first movie? It was kind of its weird way of saying like, Hey, you remember the first movie? We're about to do this better than it. Whereas like Ghostbusters went, remember the first movie? We're going to do the same damn thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, and so that's I think, fair. I think that's why I appreciated this more because they just went, Hey, remember the first movie? Watch this motherfucker. And they would yeah, just they outdo improved the first on movie. It for sure. Yeah. yeah. And, oh, sorry. Were you? No, I was just going to say, and I think that that's why this is better. That's all I was going to say. Yeah. I mean, I agree with all that. And like, just kind of um, to talk a little bit about kind of the third act and the ending sequence and stuff like that. Yeah. um, Hangman coming in at the end, definitely you could see that coming. But like, but like you were saying, the way that that all played out and how they played with the twists and turns of that. Because while you were thinking, Heather, that Rooster might be the one to sacrifice himself and die, I thought it was the other way. Uh, I was thinking Maverick I was going to wind up dead here. I thought if anybody I was going to wind route up too. dead, yeah. it was going to be like, it's gonna, Yeah, I was like, it's going to be one or the other, but I felt like somebody was going to sacrifice himself for somebody else. I went, I went through both <laughs> scenarios, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And like, and there were just things that they did in the movie. Like he's talking to someone and he's like, if I don't come back, um, the, uh, when he got, when, before he got in the cockpit, he was talking to someone and he was like, if I don't see you again, you know, Maverick's like, if I don't see you again, you know, there were just things. And I was like, you know, the, the, the fitting thing to do would just be for him to sacrifice himself so that these guys complete this mission and he's a hero. Yay. We don't have to do any more Top Gun movies. To me, th- that would be the typical thing to do. Like, like that's, to me, that would be the yeah. most typical thing they could do. But that's why this is such a great sequel because that's what a lesser sequel would do. And they didn't do that, but they teased you with it though. There, you know, he sacrifices himself so that Rooster can survive. And then you think, okay, is that the moment? But no, it's not. He's still alive. Then Rooster sacrifices himself, and now Maverick is alive. So now they're both down here alive. And it's like, okay, how are we going to get out of this situation? Then, yeah, they get into the old um, fighter plane, and there's this whole dogfight. But even that was, like, excellent how he thought he defeated the guy but he didn't. And then the, 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 the enemy fighter pilot actually was a good pilot. Like he was doing some cool stuff too, like slowing down his plane and using the flares to, to, you know, to, um, to disrupt missiles and stuff. And Tom is like, you know, I've got one missile left and then that didn't, you know, and then we thought we defeated the plane, but then that didn't work. And then it was just like, I loved all the back and forth. It was like watching a great wrestling match. There were so many like false finishes. You wouldn't get these references, Heather, but like there were so many like, but the wrestling fans know what I'm talking about. When you're watching that good match and it's like, there are so many false finishes and oh, oh, I thought that was going to be it, but the guy kicked out here and there and there. 
they really did that in this movie. Like there were so many like near parts where you thought maybe this is what they would do and they didn't. And then you thought it would go this way and it didn't. And so by the time Hangman does come and do the predictable thing, the journey to get there was so good. You were just like, okay, cool. You were kind of like, okay, Hangman. Okay. Okay. Everybody's going to live here. And that's the one thing I was going to say about it. Like if, if um, Maverick, if Tom's character would have died in this movie. Okay. You know, overall, I probably would have walked out and been like, okay, fine. Cool. You know, it, it was still a solid movie, but I like that they didn't do that. Like I'm, I'm happy that why not just let the characters win? You know, why not just let him win? Why not? Why can't he just win? And just everything just be okay. Why can't it just be a happy ending? And even if we never get another Top Gun, okay. I don't need to see the man die. You don't have to have this final <laughs> sacrifice. You know, that they, and this is a spoiler if you haven't seen the James Bond movie, but it kind of reminded me of that. You know, I the was Daniel literally Craig thinking that. Bond, you know, spoilers they they killed him at the end of that and i'm like well but this kind of challenges that did you have to kill does that character have to die because we're not going to do any more movies of them you know and i think this sort of challenges that and i mean who knows they could do another movie i don't know well but um oh go ahead no i'll just say a, a counterpoint to that I haven't seen the Bond movie, but I knew he died. You didn't spoil it for me. I knew he died. I actually like the fact he died. I just haven't watched the movie. I think it works both ways because I think it's cool that James Bond dies because he never does. Never dies. Never dies. He did in that. So I think that that's a cool way of doing that. Whereas you were saying in this movie, and I completely agree, a lesser movie would have killed Maverick. And they didn't. So I think that that's why it works also in this that he did live. I think it works both ways. I think it's it cool. Can. Yeah, it I can think, work both ways. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I said, I just think it's cool that James Bond dies because he never does. Never. No matter what, they've never killed a James Bond. And you did. Just like in this movie, any other sequel would have killed him. Every other sequel would have killed him. Like any other person making this movie would have killed Maverick. It's cool that they yeah. didn't. They both break that trend of what you would typically always have. And I think that that's really cool that they both did that. Okay. Okay. And I guess I've seen the death, the, the, the sequel. We're not doing them anymore. Death so much that it is in and of itself become a trope. So I don't <laughs> know. Maybe Fair. I didn't appreciate the bond <laughs> death. I didn't even, think of it like that like all you know none of the other bonds ever died so it is different in that way that this one died but i was just thinking they always do this you're, you're so, I'm, I'm, so i'm conflicted so you're, but you're, i totally get what you're saying your point is valid though yeah you're absolutely um, right though justin because like we said any other movie would have <laughs> killed maverick 
that's the trope. They would have killed Maverick. Yeah. So I and get that's the, I get why you apply that to James Bond. Yeah. You know. But yes, but but what you're saying is valid too. So both can work. But back to this, yes, I'm glad that 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 he just got to win. I'm glad that he just got to win. I'm yeah. glad that you know um, the relationship with Penny and all of that worked out, and they had history, and they were back and forth, and they decided, you know, let's make this work. I was fine with that. You know, at least it wasn't forty and fifty year olds acting like they were twenty and <laughs> nineteen year olds, and even though. They sort of had a scene like that. Oh, sneak out the window. It was done in a way that was more mature. You know what I mean? And it was still like funny. He goes out the window. It was still funny too. Yeah. And it was funny because they play, you know, because they're obviously not young people, but that's how that scene was played. But then it's the young person that attacks it ironically with some maturity. And she just says, don't break my mom's heart again. She didn't she didn't need to be surprised or do some, oh, I'm a kid and I'm surprised at this. Yeah. I'm so innocent. I like how the daughter was just like, don't fuck this up again, man. Just don't. Please don't. I know what y'all are doing. Don't screw this up. You know, if you're gonna, you know, try to like my mom, stay with my mom. Just, you know, man up, Maverick. <laughs> don't do the same thing again. You know what right. I mean? So I liked that, that scene, you know, I liked it. I liked the way that it was executed again. Everything's about execution with this film. I, I, I do want to touch also on, on something we haven't touched on yet with this movie until just re- just a second ago. This movie had some really good, funny moments too. Like it's not a comedy, but it had some really solid, funny moments. Like, I loved that scene when John Hamm is just reaming him out. Like, you can't go below the flight deck without my permission. All this other shit, blah, 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 blah. Fucking reaming him out. And then right afterwards, he's like, he just stand there taking it, just taking it. And then he's just like, you can't do it without my permission. Puts it on his desk. What's this? Request to lower the hard deck. Yeah. Yeah. I just, (laughs) I don't know why that was funny, but the way that scene plays out just, it was fucking solid. Like, I laughed. Like I laughed out loud at that scene because just the way it plays out solidly funny, like solid situational humor in this, you know, uh, the scene with the, like we were talking about where they're like, Oh no, we got surprised by the daughter. Let me sneak out. Like we're teenagers and all this other shit. It kind of plays out in a humorous way. Cause it's, it's the weird trope of, yeah, we're adults, but why are we like, we're having to act like kids, but also being self-aware enough to go, why the fuck am I sneaking out? Cause like I'm a kid, like it's not like they play it off. Like, Oh, it's just what happens. No, they are very much aware that we're adults and I shouldn't have to do this. So I like that. They're self-aware of that. You know, even the end scene at the end, whenever they're like, Oh, he's when hangman's like, Oh yeah, I got another kill. Ha ha. Fuck y'all. You bitches. I might've not been the mission, but I'm the one that still got a kill. And then they're like, Oh yeah, but he got to, he's like technically an ace now. Like, haha, mm-hmm. he's still better mm-hmm. than you. I liked that little nod to it at the end. I just yeah. like that little nod of like Hangman is more or less kind of like he's all he's an ice man, but he's also kind of a maverick. You know, I liked how nobody was truly def- definable, kind of what they wanted to do in the first Top Gun. 
like top the first Top Gun was like stereotypical characters. These ones were actual people. They all had dimensions to them. You know, Hangman might have been the prick like Iceman was, but at the same time, like when it came down to it at the very end, it was about the mission. And he, he was Maverick it. at that moment. Yeah. You know, he was like, this yeah. is the mission. I accept it. It is what it is. You know, I will help if I'm needed. You know, I I'm like just that. realizing more and more how I love that they turned every trope on its head in a way. Like I didn't even realize how much they did that in this movie, but even to the extent of when he's talking about how, like we said earlier, where he, the reason he pulled Rooster's papers is because the mom requested it. And even I, I like that they still didn't reveal that to him in this movie because in a lesser movie, they would have been like, he would have been like, Hey, I know what happened or like they would have had the conversation or something like that would have happened where he found out the truth of why the papers were pulled. He still never did. And they still were able to restore the relationship and get past it. And he still didn't find that piece out. And so Maverick still got to be that guy that was like sacrificing his, you know, relationship and reputation for it. And I just think that's cool because they still didn't do that because they felt like they still didn't have to do that. You know, and I think also what helped that too is that even though him telling Rooster that you weren't ready for this, I didn't think you were ready for this at that time, and you still there's still some things you need to learn and stuff like that. Even though, yes, that was part of the cover up of not revealing the true intentions about his mom, some of that was true about Rooster. He did need to grow, you yeah. know, he did. So it wasn't like Maverick was just telling a straight up lie, trying to cover up and, you know, save face with the mom and stuff like that. Yes, that was very much a part of it. But some of that stuff about I don't think Rooster is ready for this. I don't know if he's able to handle this was true, too, because you saw how in ways how Rooster wasn't ready and sort of had to come to that point. So I think. That's also why it worked. You know, it wasn't just they didn't make it. That's the gray area in it. Like, um, I don't know if that's the right term for this situation, but like. I like how both were true. There was a little bit of a lie, but there was also some truth in where Rooster was at that moment. So I think it that just helped it overall. Well, I think I think it worked out in that regard, because I think if it was just the mom saying, I don't want him to do this. I don't think Maverick would have done it. I don't think he would have pulled the papers. He also used the justification of, to himself, that he's not ready. Even if that's a lie he told himself, that he wasn't ready to get into the Naval Academy. I know then it comes back around with the whole mission stuff too. But we're talking about just the pulling of the papers. Even if he lied to himself, that Rooster wasn't ready to go to the Naval Academy. That was what he told himself to also have a reason for in himself other than just the mom asking, you know, to give himself a reason to pull the papers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I I liked it whenever they're having the fight and all this other stuff that whenever he's able to tell him, like he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to tell that his mom wanted it because he had that reason in his own mind. Of you, you weren't ready. Then 
just like you're not ready now. And by having that own self-justification and have it also apply to the situation, that that's how they were able to mend the relationships because Tom Cruise wasn't lying. Tom Cruise wasn't lying to him and just making up some bullshit. He believed it too. And they do such a good job of in that scene, the Maverick character saying that to him in such a believable way that Miles Teller takes that to heart. And he's like, I did that to push you. Just like I'm doing this now to push you. Because I know what's inside of you. I know what you have. You're not fulfilling that. And using all that as the justification to mend the relationship and have that be the part of the conversation and not have to tell him also the part about his mom, I think makes it great. You know, because they're able to mend their relationship and it and, and Rooster is able to grow and then also keep the whole justification of I didn't want to taint his mom's memory to him. And that's great. You know, not always, not, in every movie you do these happy endings and all this other stuff work? No. Sometimes you need a, a sad ending in a movie. It happens. Those are great. But the way they craft this movie, you just sit there and go like you were saying, Justin, like, I'm, I'm glad everyone got the, a good ending in this. You're just glad that that happened because they craft the movie so well that that's, that's the ending you want. Yeah. And they, and they gave it mm-hmm. to you because you're also expecting to get the bullshit ending of Maverick dying because in every other sequel, he would have died. Or yeah. in an even worse sequel, Rooster would have died. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But and I love that there was, avoid because it. of that, I'm sorry, what was that? No, I was saying, but, but in this movie, they just avoid it. Yeah. Cause, but I, I love that moment at the end, though, too, where, you know, they do come back and they all basically win in a way. And you just, you sense that healing that's happening, not only with like the relationship between Rooster and Maverick, but also I think Maverick actually being able to finally let go and like forgive himself for what happened to Goose, you know, like you just sense there's like that moment when they're hugging and embracing, like you sense all of that going away in that moment like you sense that there was healing in that hug and healing in that moment when they're back on the ground like and it's really cool because you 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 just see how it just ties up everybody's story and everybody what they're dealing with and struggling with everybody's learning something here and everybody is growing and and healing in a way No, you're right with that. And that's something that a lot of movies wouldn't do, you know, because a lot of people think that just the whole happy ending moments and having moments of healing and, and catharsis and all kinds of stuff. Like that, that's, that's a family movie thing. You know, that's a kid's movie. That's what family movies do. You know, that's what rom-coms do, you know, like that's what those do. Like, no, you can do it in other movies. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and it be satisfying and be essentially the right way to end a movie. You know, I mean, just the fact that this movie was so smart on so many levels. I don't know. That's I think my favorite thing about this movie is it just it tiptoed the line so many times. And, you know, if Maverick had died, I probably would have given this movie like an 80. You know, it would have still been a very good movie. 
Still been like been an eighty, good, but yeah. yeah. But like it's oh, it's just so much better in the end when Maverick lives. It really is like yeah. And you get that little scene at the end with with when you know they're out in the desert and him and Rooster are fixing the plane and he's got a picture of him and Rooster right up there with pictures of him and Goose. You know, yeah. and then Penny shows up and they get on the fucking motorcycle and you're like, man, this is great. It's just every yeah. scene you want at the end. You know what I mean? Like every little thing, because like him and Rooster fixing the plane and then like, you know what I mean? And, and then the picture of Rooster and Goose, you you want that. You want pictures of Maverick and Goose and Maverick and Rooster. You want that, you know, and then you want him to get with Penny in the end and stuff. So I'm just like, oh, that's great. You know, you just get all the little things that make you feel oh, good yeah. at the end of the movie. They're just so intentional with everything in this movie. It's great. And I liked how they added just a, even a, a little bit extra tension at the end of the movie because his, his landing gear shot. And so he's like, no, put up the net. We're going to fucking just crash this fucking plane and let's go. But then also. Yeah. Cool little throwback to the first movie, but it, it works in this movie too because it's a small little callback. Fucking buzzes the tower again. Does that fly by? Yeah. Just right in that yeah. admiral's face going, fuck you, I did it. Bam. Oh, I loved that. Loved it. Yeah. Because it's like I said, it's small, small little callback. He was the douchebag that did flybys. So callback to him being a douchebag with flybys. Loved it. Yep. Because that's one thing this movie didn't have a lot of flybys. And then they nail it right at the end, and you're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, super solid. Loved it. You guys got any more thoughts about this movie? About this here Top Gun Maverick? Not me. No, can't wait to see it again. I'm going to have to go before right. it leaves the theater. I might just have to do that too, Justin. And I rarely see movies twice in the theater. You do. You see a lot of stuff twice in the theaters. Especially Marvel stuff. You see that stuff like typically twice every time. I... Dude, I can't tell you the last time I saw a movie twice in theaters. I mean, honestly, honestly, looking back on it. Oh, I, actually, I think the last time I did that was Lighthouse. And that's just because the first time I saw it, I had a fucking uh, terrible wisdom tooth issue. And I was in so much fucking pain the entire first time I watched the Lighthouse. I didn't fucking remember a damn thing. Like, I could not pay attention. And that's something you can't do with the movie Lighthouse is not be able to focus on it because you're not, it's, it's such a, a, a weird, strange all over the place movie. Like if you can't pay attention, yeah. you're going to fucking miss everything. Yeah. Like I left that movie and I'm like, what the fuck did I just watch? And not in the, I watched the movie and was like, whatever. No, I literally could not remember anything. I just watched like in my head. All I knew was black and white, Robert Pattinson, Willem Dafoe, Lighthouse. That's all I remembered of the movie when I walked out because I was in so much fucking pain. So, you know, I literally went to the dentist two days later to have like emergency fucking dental work done. Pulling my wisdom teeth and shit. Pulled my wisdom teeth and I went back like I think two weeks later and went and watched the movie again because I was like, okay, let me actually watch the movie now because I don't fucking remember it. 
But yeah, that'd be the last time I guess I watched a movie twice in theaters. So, but I may just do that with this. If I'm going to do it, it might as well be this. That's all I'm saying. So, uh, yeah, nothing, nothing else. We're ending this is what you're saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So thank you guys for listening to this episode of the cinema slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet, www.cinemaslayers.com or Facebook. We're cinema slayers podcast, Twitter and Instagram. We're cinema underscore slayers. TikTok, We're cinema slayers pod, uh, YouTube search cinema slayers. Find us there. Or if you're already watching us there, drop a like subscribe, hit the bell. Isn't that what everybody says at the end of YouTube videos? Subscribe, like, hit the bell, you know, do all that, do all that stuff too. Uh, shout out to Plug Migo and Mundo Ochoa for our theme song and logos, respectively. Uh, tell your family, tell your friends, tell your friends, family, tell your family's friends, and most of all, tell those dear sweet mothers because you know why? Your mothers probably all liked Top Gun. They're all going to love this movie too. And they're going to love a scene on a beach. We didn't even talk about that. They played football, offense, and defense at the same time. That's not a thing. That's not actually a thing. You can't actually play offense and defense at the same time. That doesn't work. But they did it in this movie. And it was great. Everybody was all shirtless and looking fantastic (laughs) out in the sun. Great. Mothers will definitely like that, too. Uh, So, you know, tell them. Uh, Give a five-star rating review. We'd really appreciate it. Really help us out. I don't know. I feel like there's more I should say, but I don't remember. So, uh, as I in the TikToks end, as I was in this podcast, just remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight, you know, the last episode we did, Moon Knight is the best picture winner. Thinking of that scene, so they were all shirtless and outside. Somebody I think it needs to be said that Tom Cruise Nobody what, knows anything but you. 59 years old. All right. He's out there. Are you ready? Yeah. Running around. With these people. Slayers. Some of them, pro- maybe, maybe some of them even like half his age. And he still looks great next to a man. Like, still running around. Yeah. He doesn't look any, doesn't move or anything like a man on the brink of 60. So, but right. I liked how they ended that scene, though, too, of uh, that he's also kind of like, I am an old man, too. So I am going to go sit down while you guys keep playing. I did yeah, like he, that. When he got hit and then he like yeah. went and relaxed. Yeah. Yeah. I liked that little acknowledgement of it because yeah. very rarely in a movie is Tom Cruise willing to acknowledge that he is mortal. And they kind of <laughs> did in that. This movie actually did a lot of things that Tom Cruise does not typically do in movies anymore. A, acknowledge he's mortal. B, uh, having him kiss a co-star. He rarely does that in movies nowadays. He rarely actually has a love interest in a movie. Hmm. And they brought that back. Also, Hmm. they were willing to show Tom Cruise's short. Tom Cruise in his movies rarely ever acknowledges that he's shorter than a lot of his people. But they did in this movie. You know, they did that. And I give credit to it. That's how dedicated they were to making this movie right. Things that Tom Cruise hasn't done in movies in a long time. They did it. So. Kudos to them. 
Now, what else do you want to talk about? You guys want to talk about fast food again? We'll do that for another half hour real quick. No. It feels weird, right? I know. We actually were very brisk in this. We were we were very to we the point. Hadn't, we didn't have anything bad to say that's usually half of our time. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. There wasn't enough on the negative side. <laughs> right. Normally, it's the other way around when we go mm-hmm. like this. <laughs> it's been several. I mean, it's been since the second half of that episode when we did everything all uh, everywhere all at once. That I haven't just been able to go on a rant about something. Because even Sonic that I, I, for the most part, liked, I still got to go on a rant for a while about a big chunk of that movie. I mean, you did a little bit of one with Moon Knight. Yeah, but I also didn't genuinely like Moon Knight. Oh, well, that's true. I mean, I just thought it was okay. Yeah, fair. You know, that's the difference is I just thought it was okay. You know, I had several things I didn't like about it, so I still got to go on a rant with it. It's just been a long time since I haven't gone on a rant with it. I weirdly well, we've went, got men next episode, so um, I don't know. I got going on a it, uh, fucking rant by, on just, that one, just by your uh, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, you'll you'll make up for it for sure. <laughs> You're getting at least nine rants when we do men, which is our next episode. <laughs> we we don't Be always prepared. know distinctly what we're doing. We also haven't seen what we're doing most of the time. With this we have all seen the next movie we're doing. Yep, rant of fucking hoy in that one <laughs> can't wait I need to get like a, a ship sound effect for that you know so it's like rant ahoy <laughs> I was, yeah do that see this is something we don't typically get at the end of an episode you don't get to already find out my feelings for the next one Right. Special treat for everybody. If you you're actually, still listening. if you stuck with us this whole time, you get to realize I fucking hated the movie men. Listen next week to find out why that's a cliffhanger. If I've ever heard one. Nice. <laughs> there you go. To all the other nine people in the world that fucking watch that movie. They'll fucking know. A third of us are sitting right here. <laughs> all right. I'm out.